Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Ruben Vargas, Aaron Allen, and Aaron Murphy. Great episode today. Really appreciate them all coming on. If you're a fan of the Kelly Patrick Show, I ask that you please send some referrals the way of my sponsors. The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, specializing in treatment anxiety, depression, trauma, and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach. Heidi is actually my mother, and I can attest she is a saint. Call her at 502-457-1823. Virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States. Veercast Digital Media. Veercast Digital Media at veercast.com. Matt McCarthy runs Veercast, and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare-eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, we have a full house. Um, We have two returning guests, and then I'll start with, we have Ruben Vargas is coming on the Kelly Patrick Show for the first time. Ruben, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me here. Could you give our our listeners a little bit of an introduction as to, because we've got Aaron Allen and we've got Aaron Murphy and the Kelly Patrick Show audience knows a little bit about those guys. Who's Ruben Vargas? Yeah, no, thanks uh, again for the introduction. Um, So a little bit of myself, I'm a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I train over at Air 502 Martial Arts. I'm a black belt in Shotokan Karate. Um, uh, I compete pretty regularly in jiu-jitsu and sport karate, as well as uh, I'm a pro MMA and fight professionally in kickboxing and mixed martial arts. And uh, as an amateur, I fought across kickboxing, mixed martial arts, and also boxing. Okay. Um, What if someone talks shit to you and says karate is for sissies? (laughs) (laughs) I say, well, some karate is for some sissies. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Aaron Allen or Aaron uh, Murphy either you guys want to uh, take any shots at karate at the beginning of the episode well I was curious about the, kind of the same thing you know as you Ruben you seem to train in a lot of different styles and you haven't said yet if you want, love one more than than the others but I mean how do you feel like those go together for you yeah that's a great question actually so uh, growing up doing karate I started doing martial arts around uh, age five and um, did martial arts pretty much my entire life, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, between karate and kung fu. And then around age 15, I got into Brazilian jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai kickboxing. And there was so much, except for like Leota Machida, there was so much uh, hate on 
kind of traditional martial arts with jiu-jitsu coming in the scene and just demolishing everyone that had anything to do with like being on their two feet um i kind of like hid that identity for a while just focused on getting good at kickboxing jiu-jitsu and it was somewhere around my 20 mid-20s where i started to reintegrate kind of like the things that i'd learned in traditional martial arts and decided to um kind of just uh put put some of those movements back into my style and um, you can kind of even ask Aaron, we've had plenty of rounds together. Now I kind of have my own way of doing things and I mix a lot of like the traditional karate and even Kung Fu that I did into kind of my style of kickboxing. So I don't identify as a karate fighter, um, more of a freestyle kickboxer. And, um, I just, yeah, you got a lot of karate tools though, like your inside sidekick. Like, yeah. That's yeah. And I move like, and I move like, you know, like I don't move like a Muay Thai guy, even though I guess Muay Thai is what I teach and train at area 502 or whatever but um i just i move like a karate fighter you are the two kickboxing instructors i believe two of the kickboxing instructors at area 502 mma am i correct yes yeah um i started uh teaching kickboxing uh about eight years ago at um 502 when uh, rock cruise left um and since then, it's been mainly just uh, me, you know, every now and then, like, Phil would, like, come, uh, Phil, Philip Perkins, my coach, will come in and fill, fill in. He was on yesterday. <laughs> oh, that was a good yeah, one, yeah. Phil, Phil, and he was on yesterday. Phil was on the show yesterday, actually. But then uh, just recently, um, we've kind of switched up the program. Uh, uh, Ruben came in. He's been here about uh, a few months now. Uh, so he started picking up some classes and teaching classes. Um, uh, Phil started, uh, teaching a little bit more, um, and, and it doesn't feel like all the, the pressures on me to deliver the, the kickboxing, you know, so, uh, the kickboxing program's going really good right now. I mean, like the class is doubling in size. I mean, we, we doubled up in classes altogether. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, we're just trying to continue to grow and like really show, uh, that Louisville is a strong placehold for kickboxing, not just, uh, you know, jujitsu or MMA. Like, kickboxing is going to be prominent here. So, Aaron, I want to get a question for you. Yeah. Have you ever taught a highly inflexible person how to kickbox? <laughs> and I'm serious. I, I think everybody starts out pretty highly inflexible. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you don't do a whole lot of head kicks, you know what I mean? You're, you're throwing knees instead of, like, trying to stretch your groin out. But you, know? you could, I mean, you guys tell me, you can become pretty good without doing the fancy shit. Oh, oh yeah. Absolutely. Oh, basics all day long. Yeah, yeah, to this day, I mean, even, I mean, sometimes I'll play around uh, and do something fancy during sparring or something like that. But, I mean, for the most part, I, I stick to the basics and I preach every day during class, hey, it's the basics that work, you know, your your low kicks, your middle kicks sometimes a high kick if it's really there but i mean i was just preaching in class on tuesday when i was teaching it i was like hey guys at the highest level of mixed martial arts kickboxing whatever it is street fights the most common way to knock someone out is a one-two right down the middle and i was like so stick to the basics stick to your fundamentals and all the other flashy stuff is cool to play around with that time to time what would you say is you guys relationship with violence um, and how is I mean, both of you seem like what I would consider lifelong martial artists. You know, I mean, you've been in it for a while. Um, yeah. I'm talking decades, not not years. Um, how would you feel? What is your feelings about violence, and what is your relationship with violence? Like uh, violence and and like organized violence, or like violence in general, like throwing mock mock 
bombs and shit. You know, Molotov cocktail. Yeah, yeah, you know what I was trying to say. Molotov cocktail. Now, where where do you feel like violence in the place of a man? uh, Let's say in a person in society. I mean, where where do you think uh, your relationship with violence is? I mean, uh, personally, um, I've had to learn to control my violence, um, and I believe that every man has it in them. I mean, not even just men, like every person has violence in them. Um, some people, it, it takes a while to like pull out of them. Other people, you have to kind of like, you know, protect it, uh, 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 have the right resources to let it out. Um, you know, just being able to, to uh, uh, hit a bag, something like that. Like you have to get that stuff out. Otherwise, it's going to eat you up. Um I I believe it's necessary sometimes, uh, you know, uh, somebody tries to rob you, you know, you got to get violent, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you did, but then other people use violence in the wrong ways, you know, um, they'll use violence based on opinions, you know what I mean? And I feel like that's bullshit, but, um, yeah, I don't know. That's my take on violence. <laughs> um, when it comes to violence, I'm going to go to a meme that I actually read not long ago within the last year was um, that if if you're a as far as men go if you're a man if you're a man and you say you're you don't believe in violence because you can't fight it's not because you're you're not um, you're, oh my goodness you it's not that you're trying to be like higher it's that you're just harmless so it's like if you're not oh that's what it is if you're not capable of violence then it's not that you're someone who chooses peace. You're just harmless. So I think it's extremely necessary um, to have the capability of being violent while, you know, sheathing your sword. And, I mean, it's that adage of it's better to be a – I, I don't know how many people post it on their Instagrams or whatever, but it's, you know, it's better to be a, a warrior and a gardener than a gardener in a war. And uh, being able to just sheath that, sheath that sword, go through daily life to life, peaceful – loving whatever having these conversations you know we got four martial artists in the room i don't think any of us are going to break out into a fight for no reason who knows maybe and we'll all enjoy it Uh, (laughs) Um, if if they bring up del ray we're definitely fighting aaron Aaron allen is afraid of playing del ray in basketball and that is documented oh wow what yeah where where's the documentation throw that in there here's my is afraid of playing basketball okay Okay, i wore my m1s just in case so (laughs) um, uh these were twenty dollars at Walmart. I, I so. got a torn uh, calf muscle right now. Like I would still be. I would still be. You know, Ray. I can't play Daryl Ray one on one. No, yeah. Where's he at? Let's go. Okay, sorry to interrupt. That was. A, <laughs> I like the, the the question about the violence. That is a good question. Yeah. Well, so yeah, in in my life, I believe I believe that martial arts and um, I I did a a traditional Korean martial art in high school. Um, Hapido Taekwondo. So it's actually called Kuksul Wan. Um, Not familiar with that. Yeah, it's. It's out there, but it's um, I guess a smaller, not a, you know, not like a taekwondo. But uh, and I thought it was neat to learn a lot of the basics. It was a very good basic martial art: punching, kicking, joint locking, things like that. Aaron but, also grew up wrestling. <laughs> that is, that's a hotly you look debated like a topic. You that's a what? That's a hotly debated topic. Your dad was a wrestling coach, right? My dad was a wrestling coach. Okay, so you can't convince me that you just like, oh, I wrestled a little bit in high school, but I didn't really wrestle. But I didn't wrestle in high school. Didn't you wrestle at least a little bit? No, I went out for the team one year, but before we started, I went to do martial arts because I liked the martial art better oh, than I liked the wrestling. Okay. So my dad was a wrestling coach and liked growing up wrestling with us. And 
I guess I never bonded with wrestling. But everybody now says to me when I start getting the better of them in jujitsu, oh, well, you're a wrestler, aren't you? I have said that. And so, I have said that shit. I've been like, well, Aaron, you know, he does weigh a little bit more than me. Andy wrestled growing up. <laughs> so that's Andy why excuse. what you saw just happened. That's why it happened. I, I, I've specifically insult. used that uh, about you to describe it to other people who saw something. And, I to- and I've told you guys that. I was like, why are you, why are you, why are you insulting my jujitsu? I mean, I wasn't good enough to beat you in jujitsu, so I had to bring out wrestling. That's like when you're rolling with someone bigger and you know they're stronger than you, and they just automatically, oh well, if you weren't so strong, I'd be like, hey, well, you know, it's good to be strong, you know. Well, right, and you know, Henry Aiken says nobody nobody apologizes for being young, flexible, quick. So I'm not going to apologize for being old and fat. All right, <laughs> yeah. Dugan, I'm not going to do it. All right, so, um, but yeah, no, I I think that it when I started jujitsu. And there's some stupid statistic about how 98% of men think they can scrap, right? If you ask guys out like, yeah, I can do yeah. it myself. And it's kind of a weird statistic because if you ask them, hey, can you cook? Hey, you know, are you good at carpentry? Hey, are you good at any skill? I mean, you get a, a little more accurate you know, representation. People say, no, nah, I can't do that. But hey, can you fight? Everybody's like, well, yeah, yeah, I can handle this. And getting destroyed by white belts who were smaller than me and a lot smaller than me. Um, was an eye-opening experience. And so it was a, and it was a good experience because I was like, oh, wow, there's actually a skill level here. Validity to this. Yeah. And so I, I'm, I'm hoping it's helped me be a calmer person. I'm hoping it's helped me be a more circumspect person. And, um, but I think a lot of it has taken, it's really taken the meaning out of any of the words I hear. So if you said something to me, disrespectful, I would, I could care less. Okay. I could care less because, and I don't know, I don't know why this is the relationship there, but because I went and tried to choke grown men this morning. All right. This morning, I- Aaron teaches on what days each week? Tuesdays and Thursdays. 7 a.m. class. Yeah. And it's all in good fun, right? It's all in good fun. (laughs) Doesn't seem very fun when I'm rolling with you. Well, right. I mean, I know, and, and you've caught me in some guillotines that weren't fun either. Okay, okay. But okay. It's, it's changed my relationship with, I guess, anger, hopefully, or being offended, hopefully. Um, and so, yeah, I'd like to think it's made me a less, a less violent individual. Um, although, I did go through a spate where I did challenge a couple of people to submission grappling matches. I remember and, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that probably shouldn't have done that. And I've done that, but I had someone on Facebook talking shit about uh, jujitsu, and I just kept commenting like "You're a pussy, you're a pussy, you're a pussy, you're a pussy," and it took me like three years. And finally, they did show up and roll. I have a video of it somewhere, and I submitted them within a minute. I've got a what took you so long? It was a guillotine. The only thing yeah. I uh, back in uh, two thousand uh, two thousand fourteen, I had a friend who I worked. I was living up in Minnesota, and. Um, I was actually getting ready to leave for a school for the army. And, uh, uh, one of the guys I worked with at a discount tire, um, he was a, you know, wrestler said, I wrestled state. This sounds like, yeah, well, and at the time I was a blue belt in jujitsu and I'd been training for, I was like, a, I was a blue belt for a really long time. Um, and, uh, I was like, I was like, yeah, dude, but you know, I, I definitely sub you. And he's like, oh, I don't think so. This, that, and the other. And I was like, no, I, I know what happened. So I had this going away party on a Friday. I was going to be gone for like almost five months. And, um, we, we started like messing around. I told this guy, I was like, Hey man, like 
I'll give you $50 if I can't sub you in a minute out of my paycheck or whatever. And he was like, oh, you're on. And we're like, you know, bantering a little bit leading up to the weeks. And the week of, he goes, you ready for, or on the Friday of, he goes, you ready for tonight? And I'm like, dude, like, you're going to get smashed. There's no way, like, I'm not going to sub you in a minute. He goes, dude, you never know. I might sub you. And I'm like, you know what, man? If you sub me, I will give you every dime of this paycheck, 500 bucks or whatever. I was like, you can have every dime if you sub me. And he's like, all right, like, bet, whatever. So sure as shit, there's like 40 people in the front lawn of my brother-in-law's house, and we decided to show up. He had just, like, you know, took a hit of a blunt because, like, he wanted to get all, like, crazy, and I subbed him in 17 seconds in an arm bar. And, uh, in an arm bar. So you guys started standing. Started standing. I immediately pulled guard, grabbed the arm, threw the arm bar up right away. What, how old were you? How old was he? Size? Same same, same size. Um, about same weight? Yeah, same weight. And back then, I walked around a little bit um, smaller, too. I was probably about a buck seventy then. And he was about um, the same. About but the he was same, younger yeah. than you? No, same age. Same, it was okay. like a year That's and a half, awesome. maybe. And it was year. in someone's yard. Yes. And <laughs> I, ha- I actually have video of the second time we rolled. And I'm just like, so the first time we rolled, his pride absolutely crushed. And, and he's a good dude. Um, pride absolutely crushed. Um, and uh, we, I, it was so fast. Everyone was so, like... Everybody was so impressed. I was like, hey, let's roll again. And then the second time we rolled for like a minute 13, but the whole time I'm just like talking shit, pressing his face into the ground, like, hey, eat the grass, bitch, you know, stuff like that. And and then eventually I was like, all right, I think I'm going to sub you now and then got him in another arm bar. Um, but yeah, that was that was funny stuff. And um, so I have like similar stuff like, like that. And I don't actually think it's bad to challenge people that are like calling you out on your stuff. It, like, you know, like, hey, man, let's roll. Because even if you're like, good at striking i love being on the feet i love striking but i mean ultimately like if you can't roll like like not being able to wrestle is like drowning (laughs) it's essentially the same thing well sure and i mean every boxing match has a guy in the middle keeping the guys apart from clinching right and so if there's not somebody there saying hey quit clinching you're in a wrestling match 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. yeah aaron you have a kickboxing match coming up i do it's a title fight title fight yeah, uh, for Kings of Kickboxing, fighting Steven Anderson uh, at 180, which they call it a light heavyweight championship. I, I don't know how that worked. But. Would you like, is there any personalized shit talk you'd like to throw your opponent's direction? <laughs> now would be a good time for that. Right. No, no, he's a, he's a really cool dude. Ah, uh, boo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boo. <laughs> Strong guy. But uh, they did say that um, uh, this would be the second time I fought him. Uh, they did say the last time I fought, it w- since it was a last minute, uh, he took the, the fight on last minute. Like his teammate went to jail or some shit, and he had to like step up, but he, they said he didn't have a full camp. So I'm there like, okay. I wanted to fight fight somebody new, somebody like, you know, pre- kind of prestigious, you know what I mean? Like somewhere further away. Um, just been trying to find like a hard fight to like really prove myself. And, uh, you know, as soon as they said that, I'm like, nah, you know what, fuck that. Like, we're going to do it, and there ain't going to be no excuses. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to have to go ahead, go have your full camp. Uh, I'll be there. I'll be ready to bang. So, uh, yeah. Have you ever had a challenge-type match, kind of like what we were describing earlier? Do you want to get in on the fun on that? Because for ratings, I think those are good stories. Do you have anyone who's ever casually talked shit? Yeah. You were like, hey, hey, I don't think you're a hard-ass. Let's find out. And yeah. then it actually happened, Aaron. I have a feeling it has. Yeah, it's, it's happened. Uh, wow. Really? So um, your, your homie, Del Rey. <laughs> <laughs> 
He has talked a lot of shit he to you online. He talks so much shit. I yeah. love it. I and love I was it. like, one day. He's taunting Aaron all the time online. I don't one, think I know this dude. Don't worry about it. One, one day, <laughs> I'm at the gym, and I'm like, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm going to go to Cincinnati, and I'm going to beat his ass. You actually went there? Yeah. I took me and Dylan. Uh, Vincent. Vincent. Yeah, we went. We, we started driving up there. And he's talking all... I drove up there and went to the strip club he was working at once. With a... Uh, uh, I once did, made that trip with, with Dusty Dangle. Dusty Dusty yep, yeah, yeah. yeah. We got some Dusty would have beat his ass, too. We but got then some good he, pictures. He wasn't talking shit to Dusty. We were getting along with Dusty. Uh, I thought he was talking shit to Dusty, and then nope, Dusty went, went up there, well. and then he changed his whole... His nope, whole nope, okay, that's okay. Not what happened. We just went to visit the, the gentleman's club, uh-huh. and Daryl was, in fact, working there, and he was doing a good job, and... Didn't seem like he got along with the dancers very well. Like they seemed like they didn't like him. Oh yeah, sure. But, but it was a. We were only there for about an hour, but it was interesting. You drove up. You you you. Yeah, made it we, clear. I'm here to fight. Yeah, we drove up there, and then uh, he started uh, saying that he wanted. He he was going to call the cops. <laughs> Immediately, he said he was going to call the cops. He was like, "Yeah, man. Uh, there's a lot of uh, police out here. You are bigger than him for sure. He's what? like to him. He's short." Shorter than me. I've never seen him. I've seen him one time in person. He was a, he was a straight jackass at uh, the Hard Rock show. What? Yeah, he was he was in the back, and he was like he he made an announcement. He had to make make sure that everybody in the back knew that his team would be sparring for warm ups. <laughs> when was this? You think? Yeah, explain to these guys who Daryl Ray is. Actually, Aaron, you're a historian of the local MMA scene, and that's a very classy. Um, Thing to be uh, to be very aware of the local MMA scene. <laughs> Who's Daryl Ray? Aaron Allen. D- uh, uh, Daryl Ray. What, what, He's a forty-year-old Northern Kentucky amateur MMA fighter. His father created uh, a martial art. Created a martial art. Oh, uh, double suit tie. Double uh, suit tie is the name of it. It's kind of like a uh, Bruce Lee inspired art. <laughs> they, he, he he uses uh, uh, animal forms to teach his uh, kids. I've interviewed his dad on the podcast before. His dad said it, he goes out in the middle of the woods in the middle of the night sometimes, and he spars trees. Yeah. <laughs> so very intense. He's uh, the dragon. Training, training <laughs> methods. But anyways, he talks shit to everybody. I've interviewed him on here where he calls out Chris Curtis, who's in the UFC. He's, he's yeah. tried to fight Chris Curtis in person, and Chris Curtis was like, decided to walk away. Yeah, I mean, who... <laughs> I've, Even though he's a 185-pound UFC fighter. I've right. seen Chris Curtis twice at, um, oh, my goodness, at uh, what in the world is going on with me? Extreme Couture. I usually oh, okay. out in Vegas. I go train there. That's and where uh, 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 Strickland is, Strickland's right? Yeah, Last yeah. time I was there. He's I was like there. Strickland's buddy. So, yeah, I was actually out there for uh, the Karate Combat event um, in Vegas just recently. And the ne- the following morning, I was training out there. And uh, Strickland just right before he had his, like, fight with uh, – um, What's his name? Uh, Duplessis in the stands. You're not uh, I saw him Ray, that morning. I saw him that morning uh, walking. Like I was doing kickboxing, and he was like just walking past. And then I was watching him spar, and it was so funny because I was watching him spar with these dudes, and I was like, "This guy is literally a off camera, no cameras rolling, talking shit to sparring partners. You know, calling them pussies, calling them. I'm like, he's literally the same all the time. It's, it was just so funny to watch in person. Um, with so yeah, he's but yeah, I've I've seen Chris Curtis twice. I've not really talked with him or anything like that, but I've seen he's a big dude, 185 pounder. Like he's a he's just to be in solid. the UFC at 185 and striking's kind of your deal. Well, Chris fights you, at 170. Does he? Oh, okay. He's Strickland's main training. Okay, okay, okay. And okay, best so that's friend. Okay. And maybe only friend. 
from yeah. what I hear. But, I mean, Sean, Sean Strickland, Strickland has never talked positively about another individual except Chris Curtis. I've heard him talk shit like, about Chris Curtis, too. Oh, has he? Well, Jokingly. Like, I heard him one time he was saying, you know how black guys are too sensitive? Well, Chris gets all offended at, or something like that. I'm like, what the fuck, man? How does he get away with this shit? What the hell? Yeah. Well, I don't. Something else. He's never stopped so people could catch up with him. That's how he gets away with it. I mean, it's always like, well, I was mad about what he said about the lesbian. Oh, wait, he's saying something about black people. Oh, wait, he's saying something about Nazis. It's like you can't catch up with them to be mad at him. I mean, he's just that crazy. Yeah. So I've interviewed Chris Curtis here on the podcast, actually, and he has said, uh, that he appreciates Daryl Ray, so everyone knows he does appreciate him. And if you interview Daryl Ray the next day, he'll say, "Oh yeah, he backed down to me in a parking oh my lot," God. and he'll back about it. <laughs> and I think technically he did because he didn't want to fight. You know, a loser. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Well, I would say that that is the one of the biggest compliments, Aaron Allen, that you could ever give somebody is to drive. <laughs> Um, one and a half hours to fight them, right? If somebody came one and a half hours to fight me, I mean, I'm not saying I'd fight them. You I mean, would. I have to think about it, but I, I'd be flattered. I'd say, you wouldn't, wow. Would I mean, you call the police? No, I mean, I would just go hang out behind all the other guys at the gym and be like, I don't know, I'm, I've just taught class. I'm, like, tired now. Okay, we'll come back. <laughs> no, no we'd, we'd probably, I mean, we'd roll. We could roll. Uh, that's no big deal. Um, I've had guys come up and roll with me before. Did you offer uh, anything other than a street fight? Did you say, okay, let's just do jiu-jitsu? Or did you, wh wh what type of a, uh, attempt at negotiating a matchup was there? I'm going to beat your ass. Okay. <laughs> 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 and he, he, he doesn't even come to Louisville anymore. Like, he won't even come out here because he knows I'll slap him. Yeah, yeah, he's been over here <laughs> he, he'll do it. He'll do it on the slide. He, he literally uh, went and did a, a podcast with Avery and then, uh, requested that I did not show I up because yeah, <laughs> he thought he was getting set up, which you know, right? He, and he had his little uh, bodyguard Neil Mullins. That is so funny. <laughs> I would have beat both of their ass. So is that a pretty good rundown of who Daryl Ray is? There's a bunch of YouTube videos of him breaking boards and shit. Oh, fun. He even puts videos. What I like about him is he puts videos of him attempting to break boards and shit, where he. You know, it doesn't actually break, but he still uploads it to YouTube. That's what I appreciate. I like the videos where he's, like, wrestling, like, little kid. And then, like, he gets all tired out. And he's like, all right, you've had enough. <laughs> it just shows how ridiculous he is. After the podcast, too, I will show you guys one of the videos of me wrestling that dude. Okay. I found it. So I love <laughs> it. Funny stuff. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Well, I think Louisville's got a, a – I don't know if this is unique. Maybe everywhere – Everywhere has got a mixed martial arts scene like this. But everybody's kind of, you know, it, when you go to one of the events, I mean, there's always people talking, always people like little mini confrontations going on. And, you know, who's people? I mean, I'm not going to name any names, but there are some more Point them out. flamboyant personalities in the <laughs> Louisville, yeah. you know, martial arts scene. I mean, some people walking around. I mean, maybe even like, you know, just walking around like a cock or a rooster, you know, keeping their head high and chest out, you know, and. Um, you know, bumping up against people. And I mean, I know that you guys don't know who I'm talking about, but you know, this is just like those. <laughs> you guys have never heard do of I, personalities. Do I know who you're talking These about? personalities. But it's neat. It's kind of like fun, you know, and everybody's yeah, okay. kind of like, Oh, clearly, yeah. I'm a fan. That's why I, I enjoy this little world. Yes. I'm new I'm to a big fan. scene. So I just moved here four and a half months, almost five yeah. years. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah, Welcome. So I'm new. I'm new here. So yeah, I wanted you guys to, to, to meet Ruben. Yeah, Aaron hit me up last He's like, hey, do you want to do a podcast? I'm like, yeah, I love doing podcasts. Right. Like, wonder, wonderful. He, he's a really good addition to the gym. Sounds like it. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, like, we were building this partnership that, you know, it's just we're able to, like, bounce it, uh, off each other. He has his own style. I definitely have my own style. And we're able to just, like, 
Both have karate something. backgrounds. I do have a karate background. I have a, a. I did karate for one year. I did taekwondo for one year, kung fu for two years, and then I started wrestling, and that took me out of traditional martial arts. And then, uh, who is a better at karate between the two of you? Oh, he is definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, try to make. What, I mean, how do we prove it? Like, do we go bust out some boards? I need know? to see one, some katas. One, one I don't know. I don't know any katas. Aaron will be the judge. It'll it only took a year. So it's it like only took you a year to master karate. Yeah. I mean, Ruben's still trying to master. <laughs> yeah. it. You got to do with karate in a year, kung fu in a year. I mean, you've got to be. I do have a cool little karate story. I I learned. Who's the the Milwaukee? Head Rufus, coach Rufus. Rufus. Ford, Duke All right, Rufus, so yeah. Duke Rufus, his brother, the Jet Rufus, uh, he had a karate school in Milwaukee on 84th and Oklahoma that I would go to uh, after school. So I actually learned my karate from the Rufuses. Um, nice. So that was, that was kind of cool. But other than that, I like I said, as soon as I started wrestling, it was over with. Yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't go back to it because it wasn't the same like you know when you're when you wrestle you're training you're grinding you know what i mean you don't it wasn't like that where karate it was like hold your leg up for 15 minutes until you know you could just do it constantly yeah um oh definitely different that's yeah like even, even like i took a break mostly because i couldn't afford to do i was doing kung fu and karate simultaneously um you know from age five up until age 13 14 years old and i had to take some time off because i just couldn't afford it anymore one of my parents was laid off work and when I did come back into martial arts, I wanted to try jujitsu because the year was 2008, the UFC was getting popular and, uh, and Miguel Torres, if you guys are familiar with him, he's from, I'm from the, um, Gary Chicagoland area of like Northwest Indiana. And, um, and he was, you know, big into that was right after he had won the WC title. So started training at Torres martial arts Academy, um, in 2008, um, under him. And, uh, after doing jujitsu, like, with all my years of martial arts, the first time I put a gi on and was on my back, I remember like just having someone in my guard who was a relatively decent sized person. I was feeling like claustrophobic for the first time in my life and like I couldn't breathe. And just after getting like my ass whipped time and time again on the mats, and I sucked at jujitsu. I still probably suck at jujitsu. Um, but like, the, uh, you know, because just when you think you're like good, you roll with someone. It's it's just crazy because in in traditional martial arts, more more even jujitsu is traditional martial art. But you guys know what I'm talking about: karate, taekwondo, you know, things of that sort. In our uh, in those, like, there's a certain point where you feel as if you've learned it all. You're a master at such, and really, it's because like at a certain point, most karatekas stop sparring and they become unattached from the reality of what is fighting. Whereas in jujitsu, you're constantly doing things. So I remember, you know, young, you know, Ruben being just a teenager learning jujitsu. I was like, hey, in like 10, 12 years from now, I'll be a black belt and like I'll be untouchable on the ground. And here I am almost 16 years later, not a black belt and close, I guess, but not a black belt. But compared and, to some people you ro- roll with, you oh feel my God, like well, definite black, you're a brown belt. So I mean, yeah, there are some people that are like, there, there are levels and like, not all of us are cut from the same fabric. I feel like I'm a pretty decent brown belt, but like still, like there are still to this days, like I was talking about before we started going live, like, you know, um, like Alex Hacker, who I've rolled with a few times now, who's, he's a black belt and rightfully so. Um, like 
we'll roll for five minutes. We'll have a good time. He'll be like, dude, you're so solid. Like, let's get rolls in every time. And I, like, I love the dude after, even with our like few interactions and every time within 10 seconds left in our role, he catches me in a heel hook. And I'm just like, God bless it. Like, and that just shows like, that he could have done it and earlier. Th- there are, yes. And there are levels. And then I look at guys like, <laughs> guys like Gordon Ryan or whoever, where I'm like, these are guys. And I roll with guys where I'm like, they feel like they make me feel like I've never rolled a day in my life sometimes. And it's just crazy. The levels that there are to, you know, the game in uh, grappling. So yeah, all that. Aaron, we're watching a, a tutorial of Dale Ray showing some jujitsu. What are your thoughts? He's crap. <laughs> Sorry? He's crap. C R A P. Crap. Perfect technique. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look at that. Socks on and everything. Uh, look, you can tell he's already getting, he's like, I need a cigarette. <laughs> Sit up, sweep. That is this. And then Americana, and then goes back. Okay. He's just showing the gravity. He's showing that you can do it from mount and then also from the guard. <laughs> I mean, he. I mean, like it's basic. It's it is jujitsu. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it looks basic. like it looks like a combatives level one in the army. Okay, <laughs> like yeah, it looks like army combatives. Okay, so where's the part where he's wrestling? What is he's wrestling? Where's that part? Him and Jamel warming up for the the. Uh, what do you mean wrestling? When he was wrestling, he was he was like teaching a class, and then he started wrestling of uh, one of the kids, showing the wrestling moves, and I he don't gets know. worn out. This is the highlight. Uh, of Ray's this is career. this is yeah. This, this is, is the highlight, highlight of his career. This is, this is the highlight of his career. I had Chewy on the podcast one time, and I showed him this video, and he was like, "Oh, you know, he 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 was laughing, but I don't know why I took my interview with Chewy to show him this fight." He's oh yeah. The, Aaron, what do you think of a business model for for me to be like, hey, this is the fight I want to show, um, you know. What do you think of that? Well, Well, one guy looks like he had a cigarette right before the fight. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. You know, I could critique business models, but somebody's always come out with somebody. I made a million dollars selling rocks as a pet rock. So maybe you should go with it, okay? Okay. Maybe you should go with it. Let me know how it works out. Trust your gut. Okay. I mean, that guy looks like he's seeing red right now. Daryl Ray is pissed off oh before this fight. Dude. Why is he pissed? Because he was pissed off as an opponent, his opponent, Brad Barron, yeah. Why? Because he dared to step in the cage with him. Dude, Look at him. He's the embodiment of like, scared <laughs> trailer trash like MMA. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did commentary between 2014 and 2020. And to be honest... The lowest level of fights were normally my favorite. Yeah. Oh, gotta be. Yeah. I love one. Could you They're imagine if like Snoop Dogg was commentating this right oh now? Oh my god. Yes. That would be so funny. <laughs> like I'm like legit intrigued. I want to watch this fight too. So they're gonna touch gloves. They do touch gloves. Watch this. Oh my god. What a beautiful kick. Just starts throwing <laughs> fucking bombs. <laughs> what are you gonna do about this? Nothing. Lights out. <laughs> and now watch this. Look, let me get the volume up. Man, he's trying to fight the ref. Yeah, he bangs his head into the cage, a celebration, multiple times. And then he comes. <laughs> he's not done yet. He's not done yet. Is that he my signifies question? the head cutoff, which is, I guess, advocating some form of violence. Well, he's still got energy left. You know? he's, he's he could go for another round. Time. He doesn't need to. The fight's over. That's his brother, Jacob. They look like they're about to go start a fight in the parking lot after this. Yeah, they, they probably usually do <laughs> pick on somebody. I did play D- 
Dalton Smith and I did play basketball with Daryl Ray, and he's not bad. Look at this slow mo. Oh yeah, hands down and everything. In all seriousness, in MMA, you yeah. there is always the element of if someone's throwing a bomb. His teammate got a big win over, and Perry Stargell's not going to let me hear. <laughs> There's a, a good MMA fighter that lost to one of Daryl Ray's teammates. Um, let me make sure I. You know who Perry Stargell is? Yeah. He's a beast. He's a yeah, nine he's, and five pro. He's a killer. He's he a real, in real dude. New Mexico now. Oh, okay. Really good. Used to train at Vision, right? Twenty-seven year old out of Cincinnati. Yeah, Vision MMA. But just to the tune of what I was saying, bear with me here. Anybody can get caught, and I like that's why I don't think I'd ever want to fight MMA. It'll take me a minute, but um, one of Daryl Ray's teammates fought him in the amateurs, and some people say that there was like a. Um, a glare from the the window. What? It was at Turf Wars. Did you ever get uh, go to the, any of those shows? Oh yeah, Turfway I went to. Park? Tur- I went to. Yeah, I fought at Turfway. Did you? Yeah, fucking the lights went out as soon as I got in the ring. We had to wait like ten minutes for them to turn it back on. That was the worst time ever. Okay. I'm. It's gonna take me a minute here. Aaron, what questions do you have for these these guys who are uh, uh, fighters? What? You asked about the violence. What other psychological analysis can we drop on these guys? Oh, yeah, let's get deep in there. Um, well, you both mentioned you got fights coming up. Uh, Ruben, you got a karate uh, fight coming up, and uh, Aaron, you've got a kickboxing fight coming up. Yep. Um, any plans to do any more MMA? Um, great question. I've actually gotten that question a lot around the gym uh, for MMA. Yeah, I do think that I'll probably step back in the ring for um, maybe one or two more mixed martial arts fights um down the line but right now um right now my big focus is uh karate combat um which if you guys are aren't familiar with um it's like um it's it's getting really popular it's in like a pit um i should be fighting for them um in sometime in march or april so um that's been kind of a long time in the works and long time coming with karate combat and i i do just kind of enjoy the stand-up aspect of fighting um and as like a i'm i'm very comfortable and acknowledging kind of where i'm at at um my career had layoffs within fighting because of deployments uh with the army and uh i'm just very comfortable with like being almost 32 years old now i kind of want to like ride off into the sunset doing what it is that i want to do um so i i probably will have one or two more mma fights sometime in the next couple of years, but my primary focus is just continuing to uh, do pro kickboxing and karate combat. And then I've been staying busy recently with uh, sport karate just uh, in the, in the interim, I uh, won the Kentucky state championship in November, and then I'm competing for a national title next Saturday, um, the 17th. And so, where, where's that competition? Yeah, that's going to be in, a, in, I forget what part of Lexington it's in. I could look it up, but um, it's for EMAC. Uh, well, Lexington's not very big. There's only one part of Lexington. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think it's like, aver- I forget where exactly. I could look it up right now. Um, but yeah, that's uh, EMAC. Let's see here now. I'm always tempted to take the episodes into random ass directions. I mean, yeah, I, don't, I don't think Lexington. you've stopped at being tempted. You you have. Aaron, <laughs> you have a little experience in the city of Lexington. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I you guys want to hear a fun story? Yes. <laughs> well, you got to tune into my first podcast. Um, Aaron Allen, uh, what about you? Are you going to do an MMA coming up? Um, I'm, I don't know, really, for real. Um, I wanted to go pro after this fight, um, so I might do kickboxing. I'm, I'm really just opened up to uh, any professional opportunities, right? So it doesn't have to be MMA. It might be MMA. 
I don't know. Um, really, like, because I've taken on the role as, uh, like, the the lead in kickboxing in our in our school or in our gym, um, I haven't been able to like focus on all my training. So like, I don't get the I don't roll as much anymore. I don't I don't get to wrestle as much anymore. It's mainly just strictly kickboxing. Um, but once I I'm done with uh, uh, my kickbox amateur career, like I I, I might. Uh, fight MMA again uh, like I said I just want to see I'm 39 now so uh, if I do anything it's gonna be soon you know what I mean so uh, we'll just see how it goes I, I'm sure some opportunity will pop up somebody's gonna want to fight me you know what I mean <laughs> well hopefully it'll be in a ring right not, yeah. not in a parking lot and I'm getting paid right, I right, want right. to get paid <laughs> even if it's not in a ring you're open to fighting someone in the parking lot if, if you I get, get paid if yeah, you get yeah. paid I see. <laughs> so, Ruben, you were in the um, military for a while, yeah. and my brothers were in the military. Um, I guess describe scenes where mm. there's like fight days, and everybody gets oh, around shit. and grapples each other and tries to figure out who's king of the ring. Yeah, that's a great question. I can actually show you guys a pretty viral video of me beating the shit out of like 20 <laughs> Jabushin soldiers in a row in like a dirt pit. Holy shit. Um, so, you have multiple <laughs> stories like this. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Um, but that was great times. I was in the, I'm actually one of a f only a f couple thousand soldiers, uh, American soldiers who have had the opportunity to do the French Desert Commando course in Djibouti, Africa. Nice. Um, on my last tour, I got, to, I got, did a tryout. Uh, I don't, I don't know how many hundred people tried out, and I was like one of 40 selected. And, um, got to do that uh, event with uh, French commandos, part of their training. So pretty dope um, experience. And uh, the Djiboutian soldiers were going through like a two-week combative course. And the 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 rear debt, debt that was with us, they, caught, they let the French commandos know that I was a professional fighter. And like they asked me, they're like, hey, we have this like event at the end and we'd love it if you would like fight all of our guys going through and i was like i would fucking love that so um yeah i have a i have a like shorter mix of it but just me just like laying dudes out left and right the whole um nine yards are but, you geared up so i have like a they they made me wear this like black suit thing and like a and like a headgear and i was wearing 10 ounce boxing gloves and like shin guards that just covered here and then J the jibushin soldiers were just wearing a headgear and mma gloves and shin guards also but um that actually was not fun because it was already 115 degrees out in the middle of the desert and you can see how hot it is. <laughs> like that's how hot it is. And, um, that, that actually, I didn't like that, but they wanted me to have like a juggernaut look and my little five foot seven ass doesn't have much of a juggernaut look. So, um, they, they put that on me. It took a few rounds for me to get used to like kicking above my waist because it would like stop my hip a little bit but I got used to it after some time but uh fight days as far as like with the guys um I served in the infantry and in the infantry you'd think you would think that you had just a whole bunch of like headstrong like fighters and unfortunately that is just not the nature of what it is um in the 10 years that I served I came across maybe maybe like 15 to 20 dudes that were like always down to fight um at any point in time one of my good friends actually his name is rich carlson um he's actually uh he's a phenomenal greco-roman wrestler he hopes to make the olympic team later this year and we're super tight friends um he's one of my uh he, he was one of my best training partners on my last deployment but we're for fight days i mean outside of serving the infantry i served in a reconnaissance unit for some time too and i thought i'd find 
you know, even people who were even more likely to just want to fight and everyone wanted to fight each other, but nobody really wanted to fight me. And that was always annoying. So one thing that I, I believe is that the quality of combat, hand-to-hand combat instruction in any sort of police academy, the military, um, et cetera, is pathetic. It's garbage. And I've grappled against all sorts of guys who've come through from the military, from the police force, and they're all great dudes, right? Anybody who comes and puts themselves on the mat, great guy, no criticism of them, but the skills that they were given in those areas were not serving them. It's not just the skills because they might learn the skills that you're taught are actually like what you learn as a, so for example, when I did combatives level one in, on my, on my deployment to uh, Egypt in 2016, um, and this would have been in 2017, um, during this time, like I've rolled a level three instructor and literally subbed them in under 30 seconds. And like, I was like, this is a, army level three instructor like you're absolute garbage and uh and so are like most people who go through like army combatives and even like from the police to your point i've rolled with a million just the other week i was rolling with like a state trooper um and i was like and just the way i was just like throwing him i was like could you imagine if you ran into me like and i was in a bad mood and you were trying to arrest me i would beat your fucking ass every way from sunday like and and like Obviously, I wouldn't do that. I have a lot of respect for law enforcement and military, but I'm just saying, like, theoretically speaking, you know, so well, sure. And I mean, I I love our armed forces. I love our police forces, and I want them to be better equipped. This yes. is why I say that. Why I bring it up. And you know, I love that Louisville has just started a policy where any officer who wants to train gets their training paid for. That's wonderful. And they can go to five different academies and they can train. And I do know military guys and police officers who train, and their grappling is awesome. Mm-hmm. But it's not because they learned it on the police force or in the military. No. And it's funny you said that about the level three instructor. We had a level four when four was the highest instructor. Yeah. And I know they've got level fives now, I believe, at some places. He came through the academy and he was angry. He was angry when he'd get destroyed. And he then started training jujitsu hardcore and he became very good. But it's it's one of those things where that guy thinks he could scrap, right? Well, He's like, you know, oh, I've been told I'm, I'm good. And then... That's because the nature of what it is for like army combatives and marine combatives are the same thing essentially for like Marines, you have like up to like black belts and like the Marine Corps and, but for army combatives, the nature of it to become a level four is like still only a total of like six weeks of training. And like you, we all know like what is six weeks of training? Like, and it, that's, that's not even nothing. a stripe. I'm so, right. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. Even if you're going hard for six weeks, I mean, you could do something. You could learn something to defend yourself against the average person. Yeah. But if against, you went hard for six weeks, really, it would take but it's, a it's lot of effort like in it's six like, weeks. It's like level one is like a week. Then you might have like a year long break. Cause getting this, getting the, the army doesn't play the military. I should say the army specifically. Cause that's where I, that's where I was. Um, it doesn't actually pay too much. Um, it doesn't think that hand-to-hand combatives training is important because of the, because of the way that, um, because of the realm of like how combat is today. That being said, like you can't give these people a false. So it's just like McDojo's that we see around. You see, oh, a self-defense class. We all, any real martial artist knows that if you see self-defense class, like 
oh, this one-hour pop-up class where we're going to teach women how to kick to the groin and palm strike someone in the face. We all know it's fucking bullshit. Like, we, we all know it's bullshit. So it's like um, those, like, uh, it, the Army is the same way in, like, the way it teaches combatives. And, um, and it's just not a high emphasis on training. A lot of times it's a safety issue because people get hurt. So they're, like, they don't want – they don't want it to, you know, hurt the readiness of the unit to deploy. So that's that's kind of like why it struggles. I think in Germany they require the cops to train judo. I think I think they do. I've heard that. I don't know if it's true. It seems like it would hurt recruitment numbers because statistically, what percentage of grown men have the finance or the the physical ability and the willingness to go out onto a mat and get their ass kicked? Well, what, what percentage of grown men do you think in the United States? If you guys had to guess, have, have the can you ask that question again? Physical ability and the humility to get onto a mat when they're let's say forty and get beat up. Oh, it's less than two percent probably. But hopefully, if they're in a you know law enforcement or defense kind but, of job, they have more. I don't physical that's, ability. That's the thing, though. It's it, that's the thing, though. Like, and I learned that firsthand in in the military is that a lot of people. It's like your average, like we were talking about earlier. Your average guy probably doesn't do jujitsu or doesn't want to because they 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 can't handle the hu- humiliation that'll come with them getting their ass whooped. It's even worse when now you have a badge, you're supposed to represent something mm. that's like tough. And now you're going getting your ass whooped by some 16 year old kid. Pothead. You know, I agree hundred percent, but let's think about this. If you're going to carry mace, you have to get maced, right? Sure. And I've gotten maced voluntarily. <laughs> and because when I was younger, I said, and I was in my twenties, I said, well, let's see if this works. Right. I want to know because all, all these women have mace on their keychains. Would that work? Are you giving people a false sense of security? 100%. So I got a chemical mace from a friend of mine who is a woman. How old were you? I think I was 24, 25, 26, so somewhere after, there. So after prison. Yeah, after prison. Yeah. Um, yeah I'll, tell you, I'll tell you that story later Sick. if you want to know. Um, so I got this chemical mace, and I gave it to a buddy of mine, big dude, and I was like, all right, I am going to attack you. I am going to attack you. You have to spray me and defend yourself with this mace, okay? Just like I'm going – I'm like no no faking around. And I stayed – I probably was 50 feet back, and I started running at him. I started yelling, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. <laughs> like I, want, I wanted an actual situation. <laughs> he held the mace out and started spraying, and he turned and started running, which is probably – Smart for him. He knew. I mean that's probably what's actually going to happen. You're probably going to try to run away. And it hit me. And it hurt. It hurt. But guess what? I was going to get him. And he had to run. He had to run quickly. And I, I, don't, I don't think I ended up actually getting him. But I thought, you know, if he hadn't run and if he hadn't tried to get away, I would have got him. And if I had put my hands on him, I'd have still been able to do something. And you'd have been even more pissed. Right. Okay. And that kind of plays into, like, I mean, it, those of you who may or may not like concealed carry, like, it's like you have your, like, four stages of, like, whether you can or can't even pull a trigger. Like, Ooh. it's like arming someone who isn't trained on, like, pulling your gun under a stressful situation. Oh, did I, like, flick the safety off? Do I already have one in the chamber? Do I not? Like, like a lot of people, it's like, well, you give someone a gun, and I'm as 2A as they come. You know, I conceal carry most times. Like, um, like it's like most people... Um, if just giving them a firearm without the proper training and then putting them under stressful situation with that training, it's it's almost meaningless. The mace, so many girls you see carrying on their keychain, it's like how fast could you get to that mace, 
correctly deploy it so you don't mace yourself and then like you know also be in a ready stance in case like to your point like the mace doesn't stop your attacker and or a stun gun or whatever we see it all the time you're coked up enough like i talk to police all the time they're like hey i deployed my taser you know nothing happened that's why i had to put nine rounds in them like so it's just it's just uh the nature of that stuff you know there's a business model for you kelly (laughs) teaching a a macing class there you go Uh. and i would volunteer to be maced if it helps (laughs) i I believe you would i I, I got i believe that accidentally one time i I I did did too i maced myself (laughs) i I was doing uh (laughs) i did security for many years in minneapolis i bounced at uh nightclubs on the weekends and um lots of lots of fun stories about that um that we get into on another time i'm sure but love it um one time uh one of my friends after i just like well, I, I was in a kind of grappling situation with this guy, and then two of the other people, like, pulled him away, and then one of the guys maced him, wasn't caring about his surroundings, and, like, we all caught mace in our eyes, and I was like, ah, oh, shit, that's the only time I've been, like, maced, and it was, like, not a full-on, like, probably your experience, but mm-hmm. that shit sucked for, like, probably 40 minutes. I've cut jalapenos and rubbed my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> that, too, yeah, yeah. Hey, that, that's not, that's no joke either, but, you know, as an officer, you've got to get maced, right? And then you got to get tased. And I've been tased because uh, I had a buddy who was a police officer. And I was Did like, you piss? No, I didn't. I but now he didn't give me, I mean, he didn't like shoot. Is me. that a regular he held, thing? He held it up to my shoulder mm-hmm. and just squeezed it. Yeah, because your body like loses Wait, what kind of taser was it? Because Chad did that to me at a seminar it was one Chad's, time. It, Chad is the one who did it. Okay, but that, I don't think, it was much psychologically scarier before he did it. After he did it, it's not that big. Well, it's oh, like, What I'm talking is the shit that goes, and then, and you see people, Hitting, yeah, yeah. where it shoots the two prongs out. Yeah. Well, that's not what he you did. Can't get away. If okay. he holds it up your shoulder, you can move, okay. and you kind of do because it's like getting into a double hot electric fence. If you've ever been up against electric I fence, haven't. okay, I've been a lot of electric fences <laughs> on the farm. And, <laughs> I know. have actually. I put a dog's collar on once and ran through one. Oh that's no! Funny. Well, I don't know how that is, but you know, as an officer, if you're going to be Okay, and I'll use a pejorative term, beating somebody, okay? But if you're going to be using physical force sure. against somebody, you should have physical force used against you. Sure. So you know how to, you know what that you're doing to another person. And these guys like who killed Eric Gardner up in New York, but choking him incorrectly, if they'd have been choking people, I guarantee you, I could put any one of you to sleep, sleep. and you'd wake up yep. and you'd be no fine. Yep. Now, I will tell you, that somebody doesn't believe when his partners go to sleep and he's like, oh, they're joking and he keeps choking them. But um, for the most part, for the most part, you know, any one of us who's trained. I thought he was fucking with me. You do fuck with me all the time. You do. I've never, never done that. You've never never fake snored. I thought he was faking snoring. I I thought he was because he was fucking with me. You talk more shit than anyone while rolling. Do you agree with that? Only if I like you. Okay, so times. I hit a choke, and then he's like, and I'm like, this motherfucker. Drew's watching me. I thought you were fucking with me. Like, well, going. The only two times I've ever been put to sleep in training, because like, I, if I'm caught, I just tap, right? No, no, sure. probably a no good ego, idea. right? But it's like, no ego. But the only two times I've ever been put to sleep in training are during drills that I didn't realize I was falling asleep. Okay. Um, yeah, I was uh, one time, I think it was 2012, I was rolling with my boy Greg Tigner, and we were drilling triangle escapes, it had to have been 100-plus degrees in the gym, so hot. This is up in northwest Indiana. And I was sitting in the triangle waiting for Coach to say go. Greg didn't realize how, like, how clamped on he was. I was so tired, I didn't realize. Next thing you know, I'm on a beach sipping a pina colada. It was that good of I'm, a choke. Yep. And, like, and every time, and then the next time, I was drilling with my boy um, Carter up in Minnesota, and we were drilling um, Ezekiel's and didn't realize again 
how how tight it was. Next thing you know, I'm waking up. Ezekiel's, he's like, I can see where Ezekiel. And, and I'm you. I'm just like, what the fuck happened? He he's Ezekiel, like, <laughs> right? He is equal. Yes. Well, and I, I was like, if you're training it again and again and again, yeah. it starts lowering that capacity to kind of. <laughs> I've went out a lot. Yeah. If I'm being honest, those are yeah. the only two times. Otherwise, I've went like, out a lot, and I've almost went out where it takes me a minute to get back. Well, That's we've all got to me that tons of times, but I've got yeah. six times. Six, six times where I'm like waking up, which, <laughs> and I, I bet been, I've done that too. I've though been trying, I'm, I'm not trying. I'm not saying that's good. I've been a few years now without it, but it used to be like one once a year. I'd be put out. Jesus. And yeah, I mean, I, the thing is, you think you have one more second than you actually have, and so you think, oh, you know, I, I'm only, I'm close to getting out. I'm close to, I can hold on a little. Oh wait, where am I? What's going on? You know. Yeah. So. Um, Aaron is an attorney. And I, I, I eventually, I'd like to see a, some type of d- debate Actually, on the podcast. We're going to do debate. you guys something. Oh, wow. Okay, Aaron. Oh, hey, well, thank sweet. you so much. Aaron, yeah. are, you so pro- kind of you. Are, are, are you pro Second Amendment? So I'm pro most of the amendments. Um, I am pro the Second Amendment for, I believe. Damn what it, I was the- hoping you'd say you weren't, and then we could have a debate right here, and I'd be like, oh, <laughs> trying to get you guys pissed at each other. Nothing? Okay, but look, if you want me to take the other side, okay. there and here's the thing that I don't like about guns, okay, is because the Second Amendment does give everybody the right to own, keep, and bear arms. However, it does not give them the right to be reckless with those arms. 100%. And what I believe has happened is in this country, I think guns are like cars, okay? About the same amount of people get killed when guns in, with guns in cars, and uh, we've got a lot of similarities because a, a car is like a big bomb you're driving around, right? Well, a gun is a, you know, can kill people too. We've made cars safer and safer and safer. And there's been zero safety upgrades on guns, okay? So if I if you went out and picked up my car and got in and started driving, oh, you can't do that. It's got a lock in the door, right? If you got in, you can't figure out how to turn on my car because it's a Tesla, right? And it's got a code, right? Or your car's got a, you know, a key or a push button or something like that. I can't just pick it up and start driving around running into people. Well, if you lay your gun around a three-year-old can yeah. get it and pick it up. And so that's the, actually the problem I have is not that you have a gun. It's that, one, the government hasn't required it. They're, the manufacturers have not tried any safety mechanisms. And I do not believe it would be difficult. All right? You see this in the movies, okay? And it's science fiction, but I think they could implement this where if you picked up your gun, you could fire it. And if I picked up your gun, I could not fire it. Yeah. There's, okay. that's, that's actually, that's a good point. I actually, I actually have this conversation a lot because though I'm extremely pro 2A and the fact that you should have the right to own and carry a weapon, I am very much similar to how you said with cars and I'm shaking, I'm nodding my hair as you're speaking. Cause I'm like, no, first of all, I think that a one-off on your concealed carry shouldn't just, just similar to a driver's license. Like you should have to renew it. You and not to mention, like you shouldn't be able to just. I, some of the two way community is going to hate me for it, but I, I don't really fucking care. They can come fight me about it. Um, they, um, I one hundred percent believe you need to prove competency, not just to conceal carry, but also to purchase. You have to con- and and I think competency with a firearm, having been in the military and having deployed, I think that has. I, I think that a lot of that has to do with. Being able to fire under stress, not just, oh, can you put, you know, 10 rounds downrange in a circle this big? Can you do 10 rounds downrange in a circle like this after you, when you're breathing, like after you've just did 20 burpees and like ran a mile? Can you still do, can you do that when someone's physically attacking you? Like the, you have to be able to do it under stress. Um, and for, to some gun manufacturers have, um, you know, with like 
pressure safeties and stuff like that on some some like i don't carry a glock for example i think a lot of people love glocks and i think glocks are definitely the ak-47 of pistols is and they'll fire no matter what that's the problem they don't have safeties on them like so i'm big on firearm safety you know if it's on if it's not on me it's locked up um and you know like definitely don't i've got a four and a half year old daughter who i love and cherish and i even fought for um, for just even the short amount of time I have with her per month. And, uh, I would never, ever want her to, you know, pick up a firearm and fire it and kill herself or someone else. So yeah, I'm, I'm a big proponent, like not just, you should, everyone should have the right to own, but you need to show competency and that you can be trusted with said firearm. Did you say everyone? So does that mean felons? I I was going to say, and and felons that, so, I mean, I think it kind of depends on what kind of felon like you, I don't think like if you got arrested for like selling dope or something like that, you can't fear a firearm. Like, I don't like if you like are known to have like gone on a killing spree. I mean, first of all, you should probably be locked up forever. But like, if like, like, I don't think like, you know, it depends on what you define as felon, you know, like, well, he's asking that cause I'm a felon. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I did get in trouble in college and got locked up for a year in federal prison. For most exciting story ever. Most exciting story ever. Best ratings for my podcast ever. Oh, it God. is for, well, um, I printed some money. On my good for you. On my well, less, <laughs> less the Secret theft, Service arrested him. The, the people who protect the president arrested him. The taxation is theft, man. Well, I'm with we it. we agree. <laughs> Apparently, the federal government does not agree yeah, to that. But they print money all um, the time. That's why oh, inflation shit. sucks. They, they do. Yep. They do. And right. it was the wrong thing. I mean, I knew it was wrong at the time, and made no excuses. Um, and you were young. young. I you wish were. I would have known you back then, man. <laughs> Well, not right then. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, you wouldn't want to have been involved in that. No, that's fair. But one yeah. one year you did. Um, I did a year in federal prison and uh, came back out, and it was it was rough. It was a hard road getting back to getting my rights back. You know, getting accepted to law school, and very grateful to the University of Louisville. Always will be. Um, Can you carry? No. Uh, that's so that's bullshit. Well, you know, in one sense it is, but it's. I mean, it's probably. Did you have to get an expungement? So the only thing I can get is a presidential pardon. All right, okay. because it's a federal, it's a federal crime. crime. Right. Gotcha. And I applied for one um, under Barack Obama, and they just sent it back and said, no, um, which <laughs> most of the time they don't give them out, right? Most of the time they don't give them out. Um, and I really don't need one in a sense because my life is going on fine now. Um, I, I would like to take my son to the fire range and teach my son how to use guns responsibly, but I guess one of his uncles is going to have to do that. Um, fortunately, he's got great uncles who've been in the service and you know know the way around firearms, and so if he ever wants to do that, there's somebody else who can stand in for me. Um, but you know, I was stupid because I gave up a lot of rights that I didn't know how valuable they were. And you know, when you're young, and you know, some of us even were old, we can't really see the big picture. And that was stupid of me. Um, I'm just blessed to you know, have been able to rebound. Um, and now, you know, I, I love cops. I love the police. I love federal agents and they're all, you know, my friends and training partners. And I really appreciate what they do uh, and appreciate the job they do, uh, keeping us safe and, um, you know, serving us. And so I really didn't have a bad experience in a sense, like it did what it was supposed to do. It got me back on the right track. You're doing fine. But the problem is I'm the exception. Yeah, yeah there's not many. Though? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're able to talk about it, um, how much money did you print? Well, Love so, it. Good question, Ruben. All right, so a buddy of mine came back from Bowling Green. I was at UK, and he said, hey, me and my friend printed 10 bills on this all-in-one machine. Do you know what we can do with it? I was like, well, I mean, why don't you go over here and buy some weed with it or something like that? And I was studying. And so he comes back uh, a couple weeks later. And he's like, hey, uh, there's this guy, and he wants to buy some money from us. 
he wants to buy five thousand dollars. He'll pay us, you know, like three thousand dollars if we give him five thousand dollars. I was like, well, let's make this happen, you know. And so we went out and bought a printer. We didn't have any printer before. We bought the printer and started printing money. And then he comes back and says, well, we need ten thousand dollars. Now I didn't know at the time. CTR. I worked in banking, so I know that's the threshold. There's maybe? a threshold. I wouldn't have done any jail time had we only printed $9,990, okay? And if I was clever, well, I just wouldn't have printed the money, right, okay? (laughs) But if we'd have failed, we printed $10,600, all right, is how much we ended up making. We took it over there to the Turflin Turflin Mall parking lot, and two Secret Service things pulled up. It It was for them the whole time. Of course, they 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 knew the the amount to ask for. Oh, yeah. And so, but look, I mean, I was dumb enough to play that game. Should 18 be the the age? That that brings up, because you are dumb. Psychologically, I was down for the dumbest shit in the world when I was even 20. Like, just fucking idiot type stuff. men's brains don't fully develop to like 26. I believe that. Yeah, I think that's what it is. So should 18 be the threshold? Could bring up a different time. Well, I think think if like, I think 18 should be the threshold, again, with competency and proper training because I mean if 18 you can go serve in the military like I mean technically 17 but like if 18's the but then we get into like oh well if 18's the threshold for well 18 is the threshold for carrying a firearm you can't kill, conceal carry till you're 21 so even yeah. in Kentucky where we have constitution yeah it's still 21 for concealed oh, carry I didn't know that yeah I actually just because you don't need a concealed carry license in Kentucky you don't need one to um, to carry you need one to conceal carry and to work with a job where you carry it. I actually just recently, because I had a Minnesota concealed carry, which was like valuable in like 37 to 38 states, including Kentucky, but it had just expired in um, August of last year. So just in December last month, I just actually did a Kentucky concealed carry course and got like my new concealed carry. So um, yeah, it's still 21 to conceal carry. You can open carry, but you can't conceal. So okay. I don't know why there's a difference, but... So when you were in prison, did you uh, feel threatened at all by your surroundings? So not not generally. Um, the federal system does a great job of categorizing people. Okay, right. And so there were only two times I had like physical confrontation with somebody, and it's always with one of your friends. Okay, mm. because you're only hanging out with your friends, and it's you, not like your cellmate. Um, one of them was, and it's cubes, you know, but yeah, one of them was with one of my cellmates and he was a great guy generally, but before somebody gets out, they start feeling really nervous. Yeah. And it's really weird. Uh, why? I mean, everybody's like laid back, but it, if you get short time, you get really nervous. And he was really nervous one day and anxious. I was eating, um, I was eating cornflakes mm-hmm. sitting there on my bunk eating cornflakes and he was angry about the noise i guess of the crunching oh yeah that's and the it worst. sent him over the edge and he tried to like choke me <laughs> now he was just like trying to like front choke me like that yeah. it wasn't actually i mean he was just angry right uh, he was a big dude but um if i had said something to the you know administration they probably would have messed up his release and i you know i didn't like i wasn't even upset i just was like oh my goodness this is like yeah, so stupid so then uh, we had another dude. You're only supposed to have two to a cube, but most of them had three. We had another dude in there who was actually a, a Palestinian dude who was um, had some interesting backstory. But you know, he was like, "What are you guys doing? You're so stupid!" And he told him, "He's like, don't ever do that again." And <laughs> you know, kind of stuck up, stood up for me. But um, yeah, for the most part, 
any of the fights in there are stupid. It's over like basketball games and like yeah. just. I'd yeah. say basketball is probably like the ninety percent of cause of fights in in the joint. I actually Which grew is, up in the joint. Like I went uh, two weeks after my seventeenth birthday. Okay. I got locked up for seven and a half years. Oh shit! Didn't okay, me. so. Yeah, you so got, you got me by a few. No, it it, it it's not that important. It's just I want to see what your perspective of what the joint was, especially a federal, because we always hear like federal was like cushy. You know what I mean? Like it was like you know more. You get you get like video games, you get couches and stuff like that. Like so, I didn't see any video games. <laughs> now this was, um, I went in in twenty, um, two thousand two, mm. and so I got out in two thousand three. I, I mean, I hear they have computers and email now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't hear anything about that. I mean, you had to have, you know, but it, was, it wasn't as, it was a positive experience. There were negative things about it, but the negative thing to me is watching everybody's life move on without me. Right, yeah. And, you know, you try to make calls and maybe people would have time to take your call. Maybe they wouldn't. You'd write letters. Maybe right. people would have time to write back. Maybe they wouldn't, but you realized my life is on pause. Yeah. And they're moving on without me. That was the hardest thing for me. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I definitely saw that. Um, I think, uh, like, you start to realize a lot of stuff that you care about when you when you're young and when you're out and stuff like that. Like, and and you see all that go away. Like it all, it just it wasn't as valuable as it as you put as the value that you put on it. Right. Like you, you, you didn't value the stuff that you should have been valuing and, uh, being, being away for that long, like, you know, you learn to to value the the stuff that, you know, is important in life. And, uh, I'm glad to meet somebody else that has like went from the, the, the bottom end and is now like, you know, turned around. So, well, yeah, no, it was good. But, you know, there were a lot of guys who were on the tail end of a lot longer stints in there. Right. Right. And, They'd worked their way down to a camp from like 20 years. Right. From like max to yeah, minimum. And all the old guys. You know, the young guys were in there planning the next, you know, moves and, you know, learn how to cook meth from each other. But the older guys were Even like, in federal prison, there was people in there teaching each other how to cook meth? Oh, yeah. Because you're in there for either white collar or drugs. Oh, so there were I, a I lot didn't of guys know. in okay. there for crack, meth, uh, weapons charges. But okay. I mean, there was some legit, like, Miami boatmen in there who were like- you know, new people where they could get a hundred keys and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and they'd work, been working their way down it. But you know what? There were three brothers in there who were like working off 14 year bids and they all to a man were like, yeah, you know what? You don't know who your friends are. He was like, I tried to get my friend to take my boat to just take my boat. And he's like, he wouldn't even do it. And I'm like, what? He, you and so these guys are like, man, you're young. Don't do what I did. Mm. Don't be like me. Like, really? Because, I mean, if I was, like, two years ago, I'd have thought you were kind of cool, you know? What you were doing was kind of... I mean, there were guys who were talking about... Moving tons of drugs that you thought you thought that was no, cool. Well, I mean... I, that's who, okay. Who wouldn't? They make movies I mean, yeah, about yeah, that. I'm sure I would have they at certain points. I'm not saying it was yeah, that, yeah, okay, dude. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't, don't act like I'm stupid. It does scare you, though. You had it inside. <laughs> I've done crazy shit, too. Trust me. Uh huh. So, but I don't. I, would you have actually thought consciously like this seems like something good idea to get into? Well, yeah, because look, they have all the things that a young man wants: freedom, 
right? You got freedom over your life. You're the one who's doing this. You've got agency. So you're able to make a plan and put it in place. You're able to go into business, mm. right? And to be a businessman, you need a suit and you need like gray hair, right? But no, not if you want to go. So yeah, but that is stupid. And what I've learned since is you can make way more money legitimately than you can illegitimately if you know how to put the pieces together. But sure, back then, there were guys who literally had a ton of marijuana. And these dudes saw somebody scoping them out that they were getting robbed, went up to the car with a baseball bat. It was the cops. They tried to fight the cops that were scoping them out. <laughs> so that just changed all the charges because assault on a cop then. Right. But, I mean, that wasn't unusual. I mean, all these guys had great stories about, like, going to, you know, pick up this. But they're all like, you know what? Um, you can do something different with your I wouldn't life. mind interviewing some of those guys on the podcast if you still got any connects. Yeah, you think I got them all on my phone here? <laughs> no, but, um, yeah, you know, they... They would they would be like, why are you going to, why are you going over there to the phone the phone room? That's just the house of pain over there. Don't don't do that. You know, mm. they're all like, I had to cut everybody out of my life. You know, those guys were like, no. I mean, I'm, on the last year of my bid, I'll try to you know get those relationships back or whatever. So, um, but no, I don't even know how we got on that. But uh, it's good yeah, stuff. I think I'll, it's always makes for good conversation. I was say, Aaron, you said something funny about uh, most of the fights are start on the basketball court in prison. And I was like, you know, it's so funny you say that because the toughest dudes in the gym, I swear to God, are in the basketball court. I, like it's just so funny. Like all the every time, like I work out at, I'm the general manager for the title boxing club here in Louisville. Oh, okay, train at Area Five Hundred Two, and then I work out. I do like my cycling or anything like that at like a sporta, and. Any, any LA fitness, any fitness gym I've ever gone in my life, I swear the toughest dudes in the world, like, like, or that think they're the toughest to play basketball. No, okay, okay. That's what I'm trying to go. say. Okay. Yeah, like, I was the, like, huh, okay. The, no, I no. think wrestlers sound tough. No, no, no. But like, <laughs> the, the, the biggest quote-unquote badasses. I, that's what you're getting at, is the like, think, think they're the yeah, toughest. Think, like, Air quotes. Yeah, and it's just it was just, like, funny to me, because I'm always thinking that, like, I, you know, and I walk, you, you've known me for a few months now, pretty much everywhere I go, I'm just, like, relaxed, smiling, yeah, hey, what's yeah. up? I'm super cool just all the time, but, like, I swear to God, I get mean-mugged by, like, basketball players <laughs> so, so much in the gym. It's and I'm the just, culture. It's, like, because you, you don't, you, you have to uh, have a presence on the court, you know what I mean? So, and when you got multiple presents you know they start button heads and then it's just testosterone from there you I know feel, what I, I mean? feel that yeah i'm just like man because I, I see some of those dudes go work the heavy bag after them. i'm like bro you're so lucky Crap, that, yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> you're so lucky that like you know your competition is like shooting a ball and right. not like throwing these fists because yeah yeah that's that's funny guys it's been a really fun episode i appreciate everyone coming on uh ruben very nice to get to, to know you thank you so much thank you um Aaron Allen, best of luck in your thank you. Yep, title fight. Uh, uh, what plugs do we need to mention before we wrap up the episode? Uh, yeah, so uh, my sponsors, Nathanson Auto Repair, um, and they're my biggest sponsor. And then also the second one to that is Red Castle Liquors on First and Oak Street. You can find both those uh, people on Instagram. That's uh, Nathanson Auto Repair and Red Castle Liquors. Also, shout out to Kings of Kickboxing, uh, Next Champ, Eric Eric Haycraft's uh, promotion. Um, Kings for, of Kickboxing is that uh, Chance, Chance Beck? Chance Beck. Yep. Okay, so Chance yep. Beck's promotion, Aircraft, Haycraft's next, promotion. Next champ. Um, I got two two juniors uh, going in for exhibition there. Uh, Garrett Hunsucker and Elias Brown. Uh, you those two will be you know, some people you could watch uh, in the yeah, future. Garrett's related related to the un, other Hunt, Jason, other Hunsucker who trains with you. Yeah, Jason. What's their relation? That's his son. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, shout out to Area 502. Um, 
make sure you guys come and check me and marvelous Ruben uh, Vargas out uh, uh, during uh, Muay Thai on Tuesdays and Thursdays. He has he he throws his own class on uh, Monday morning and Wednesday morning, um, and then I also have uh, a three thirty sa- Saturday uh, Saturday three thirty uh, class that I just started. So. Uh, and that's be, kickboxing also. Yeah, kickboxing. And make sure you guys keep watching out for AAA kickboxing. Uh, it's going to be something here in Louisville. And uh, we're going to continue to grow the kickboxing scene here in Louisville. Yeah. All right. Uh, shout out to this podcast. Thanks for having me on. And short notice for me, but I, I'd love to be here. Um, shout out Area 502, gym that we train out of, like Aaron said. Those, that's kind of our class schedule. You'll find it on the website. Um, shout out to my sponsors, uh, Bad Boy Brands. Um, as well as uh, Jimmy Bars and Drink Simple. So um, you can find them all on Instagram and um, Team Marvelous all day, um, getting ready to capture a national championship here in just a week and a half. And um, then uh, you can find me on Karate Combat sometime this spring. So, um, yeah, it's uh, that, that's it for me. I have one more. Make sure you guys check out Future of Fighting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, that's – you know, it, it's it was awesome last event. Uh, I'm the technical director, so I handle all the the technical aspect of it, um, and everybody else, you know, puts on the show. You know, amazing fights, finishes. Uh, the venue's great. You know, you don't have to uh, get up and go anywhere. Like they have alcohol, food there. Uh, I mean, they dress a little classier, is what I've heard. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. They, they, I, I tried to play that up. They were saying it's the classy MMA it's promotion. It's kind of this chick <laughs> is that is that yeah. Phil yeah. was going. I have a don't have don't a, walk in there looking like a bum. Right, is what I can. Right. People are dressed nice. I yeah. got. I, I dress like I dress when I go to work and when I when I go to there it's literally like black pants black polo you know you, I got my uh, future of fighting logo on my my polo shirt so if you do anything less than a polo you you, should, you need you get made fun of yeah you'll get made fun I was of. there wearing like a Gucci like get up like Zip oh yeah sweat hoodie, okay so, <laughs> so she, so like, shout okay, out to Phil Perkins and Brandon Higdon yeah for the yes. future of fighting yeah F- and of Phil, course our, our coach Phil. Um, yeah. Okay. So. And shout out to uh, Murphy and Associates. This is a dope. Oh, thanks, guys. Yeah. yeah. They seriously made my whole day. I was like, oh my god. I'm gonna so put nice this on when I get pulled over next time. <laughs> like, hey, we sued talk the to my lawyer a little bit. We got an attorney who sues the cops a little bit, uh-huh. so that could go. He trains way. with us too, right? Yeah, he does. <laughs> he yeah. does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's good I knew who you were yeah. talking about. That's his whole thing. Right. We train with the plenty of cops, and then there's one guy who trains with us, and he's the guy who sues the cops. So. Yeah. Only the bad. So ones. that's Only the bad ones. Okay. Well, Ruben, Aaron Allen, Aaron. Murphy, guys, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate it. I also want to thank everyone for tuning in. Of course, we will have another episode of The Kelly Patrick Show out soon.